Okay. So I get to talk about listening to the Spirit this morning. Hi, Francis. I see some of my friends that came to, to hear me speak. Um, <clears throat> uh, as an intro, I became a Christian when I was a teenager. And since then, I have listened to workshops and sermons and all sorts of uh, and, and, uh, teaching on reading the Bible and prayer and reading the Bible and prayer. And, um, but it wasn't until much, much later, probably more than 10 years later, that I st started hearing people talk about learning to listen to the Holy Spirit, learning to listen to God's voice. Um, I knew that when I became a Christian, I started a relationship with God. But I still didn't really get what that looked like. And when I read the Bible, I felt like I was just still trying to relate to a character in the book. But I never expected the character to talk, pop out of the Bible and talk to me. And when, it, when I started learning about that, I just got excited. Um, and I just wanted more of God, and I fell deeper and deeper in love with God. And um, so when Wilson asked me to share about that, I, I was excited. But he said, keep it simple and, and, and practical. Um, so I, I've titled this sermon, um, Three Simple Steps to Hear God's Voice. <laughs> because that's, that will attract you, right? Because when you go on Google search, you're always like 10 steps to do this, one step to do that, five steps. So this is three steps. And um, let's see, I'm lost. Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Daddy God, your children are here. We come to you hungry and thirsty, not for more of your blessings, but more of you. Speak, God. We're listening. Meet us here. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles and your phones, would you turn to um, the passage, Psalms 46? Psalms 46 is a song, and it is a song written to stir the faith of the hearer, which is the Israelites, to have greater faith and hope in their God, even in the midst of chaos and craziness that's happening around them. So in this action-packed chapter, we come to verse 10. And verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Step one, be still. Whether you are the exuberant, charismatic worship type, or you are the monastic, quiet, sit still prayer type, if you ask them, all these Christians will say the first step to listening to God's voice is be still. And being still is not that hard, but it's still hard. Just look at the kids' ministry. Tell them to be still. You know, two seconds, they're up running again. Like, be still. And for us adults, we're not any better. Um, I, I remember when we started switching the credit cards from sliding to the chip, I was so irritated for about a month. Because I would whip out my card and I'm ready to go, Shh, and then they'll be like, no, don't do that. Slide it there, and then I have to find the slot, and I'll put it in, I have to put it 
then you have to make sure the chip is in the right side and, and put that in. And then I would wait, and then so I'm impatient, so I hold on to the cart, and then the, the cashier usually say, well, don't touch it, because if you pull it out, you're gonna redo it again. So she'll be like, don't do it. So I say, okay, don't do it. And then we wait and wait and wait, and there's this big sign on the screen that says, please wait, do not remove. And then it feels like eternity before it says, ding, 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 now you can pull it out, then you pull it out, then it's done. But why such a simple thing irritates me? Because I don't like being still. I just want to keep going, keep going, because somehow I feel pr productive that way. And the verse here says, be still. It starts with be still. The definition in, of being still in English is just don't move, motionless, be quiet. But the Hebrew root word, rapahir, is talking about more than just an external remover of distractions. It's talking about more stop striving, that internal engine that you feel. Stop trying to control things. Stop manipulating, stop. Just let it let go and release, surrender. Stillness is the quieting of the soul. That's what God is calling us to have. It quiets our inner chaos, the anxiety, the anger, the nerves, whatever that we are feeling. Relax. And then kind of express the idea of leaving the matter in God's hands, not in my own hands. And obviously, if you look at the whole chapter, it talks about all kinds of craziness is going on. Because verse 2 and 3, it talks about Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth will give way. Recently, with the rain, I've been hearing that we have a lot of sinkholes. Because the rain comes, the dirt and the underneath the asphalt is gone, and then the road collapses. So the earth gives way. We haven't experienced too many earthquakes. But when the earth gives way, it's a very scary thing. And then when the earth gives way, the mountains come down, it says. Then the mountains will fall into the ocean. And when mountains fall into the ocean, you have tsunami. So everything is upheaved and going crazy. And then we are told here, in a commanding voice, be still. Many of you know we have an autistic son, Justin, and um, he goes through therapy, many different therapy. And one of the things that he goes through that is difficult for him um, is when he is in a large crowd of people, not this still, but everyone talking, like afterward when we're chit-chatting, hanging out, when everyone is talking at the same time, people are moving around, it's very difficult for him to stay focused and process that. But since we can't change the environment, we have to get him internally able to focus. And one of the things that occupational therapy uh, people do that we've tried to help him is he seems to be calm if we give him deep pressure. Sometimes hugs, and other times they have these vests that with multiple pockets, and you fill them up with bags of bean bags, basically, or rice sacks of rice, and you put them in and you figure out how much weight does he need to calm him. So he's used that and that has helped him. To the point where one time we went to 99 Ranch, got my, I, it's time to buy a big sack of rice, so we get a 50 pounder, and I put it in the seat next to him, and then I started driving, driving home. And then at one of the stoplights, I turned around, checked on him, and I found that he had pulled that bag of rice onto his lap. And he was so happy. <laughs> I was like, do you like that? He goes, yes. 
So he started learning that having some deep pressure calms him from the inside out. I don't know what calms you from the inside out. Everyone's a little different. Even autistic kids, they have different sensory needs. Some of us may just need deep breathing. Some of us need to count sheep. I don't know. Take warm showers. Water really helps me relax. Um, we went through, um, what is it? Midwife birth with the kids. And one of the things to, to not do chemical, whatever, epidural, is I need to run warm water in my back. And that really helps me through labor delivery. I don't know, different people have different um, ways to calm down. Candles are very popular now. Whatever it is that you will find will help you just focus, do that. Because stillness of the soul is needed to listen to God's voice. Step two. So what ends are we to let go and be still? What are we trying to get to? Some religion, being still is it. That's the end goal. You get calm, empty yourself, and you get to this place where you're totally empty. That's when you've, you've done it. You got it. But that's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is about relationship with God. So being still is not the goal. Here it says, be still and know. Be still is a command, it's an imperative command, and know is also a command. So in Hebrew grammar, when you have two commanding words together, the focus is on the second one, on knowing. It's not about being still, it's about knowing God. So in other words, we surrender in order to know that God is in control, he's the master of the universe. We let go in order to objectively know that he is a powerful God. And we give up trusting in our own design and in our own plans to let God. People are smiling over there, so I'm just trying to see it. Why is it funny? But anyway. Okay. Um, so there is a reason, and the focus is on knowing. Knowing about God is different than knowing God, right? It's different when we just stuff information into our, our heads, you know, eventually our RAM runs out, storage runs out, but this is different, this is transformative, it's a gut knowing with certainty. Like when my mom calls me on the phone, she just said hello and I know exactly it's her, I don't have to ask and wait who she talks, I know it's her. How do I recognize her voice? By hearing it a lot over time. And how do we then Know God's voice, hearing it a lot. And that begins with engaging in God's word. People ask me, what does God's voice sound like? It's like, it sounds a lot like the Bible. So if you don't really recognize his voice in the word, it's difficult to discern when you do hear him. Um, it was in July 99 that Justin was diagnosed. He was three and a half with autism. Um, in those first three months, it really turned our world upside down. Ken even took three months off to try to navigate all the lists of things we had to do. Uh, medical therapy, educational therapy, uh, speech therapy, everything under the sun. And a lot of these had one year long um, waiting list. And then everybody's telling us time is of essence. You know, after every day you don't do anything with him. You're losing all kinds of opportunity. So we were just like running, I don't know, overdrive. And for the kids, for Kelsey and Kristen, 
all of the after-school activities just came to a screeching halt. Uh, horseback riding, <laughs> out the window. Taekwondo, out the window. So Kelsey didn't get to finish her whatever black belt. But anyway, <laughs> and um, it, was, it was hard. And um, at one point, I was tired of going to church even, because going to church, everybody's, how's everything going? And I have to keep answering the same question over and over and over again. So one Sunday, Ken says, you know, why don't you stay home, just rest? So I did that. And I said, like, oh, this is a, a quiet time. All the kids are at church, everything. And so I, I opened the Bible. And of course, those three months, I was going crazy, and I didn't have a chance. And I was like, I don't have time to read God's word. But this time, I had some time to be still. I pulled the Bible, and I was like, where do you begin? Genesis 1-1. You know, I opened up, and I started reading Genesis 1-1. And I was in tears because it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And I just felt like that verse was written for me at that time. And I wrote on the margin, I said, God, I am wallowing in pain and confusion. But somehow this darkness and formlessness that I was experiencing right now, I know you're there, you're here, you're hovering over me. And as I read on, it says, God said, let there be light. And I wrote down, I can see. It feels like the, the fog started lifting. And then I kept reading, and it says, let there be expanse between the water and separate the water from, from the ocean, something like that. And then I wrote down, I can breathe. And I realized for the first time that for three months, i am barely breathing. You know, for some of you who are anxious, you know that most of the time you're holding your breath, your, your chest is very tight because you're breathing very shallow breaths. Because if you breathe deeper, the earth might fall apart. And then finally, um, I wrote down this as God will make a way. That's the knowing that this is God's voice speaking. He spoke to me. I have read this passage as a Christian for how many times? Many, many times. Taught it in Sunday school, how many times? But it never spoke to me like that. That's knowing. It is this place of listening, this secret place, that we connect with God's spirit to spirit. John 10, 27 says, my sheep hears my voice. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit's in you, you are hearing his voice. What is really matter is just recognizing his voice among the many noises that is happening in our lives. So it takes practice. I remember my oldest daughter, when she was in third grade, she was struggling with a lot of bullying. She wasn't the bully, she was being bullied. And uh, there's a twin girls in her class that was always on her. To, and, and even their little brother, who's a kindergartner, during recess, from across the fence, <laughs> would be you know, harassing her. And she'd come home crying all the time. And that one night, we, um, we, we prayed and we were reading um, Psalms, Psalms 9. And then we came to verse 13. It says, Lord, see how my enemies persecute me. Have mercy and lift me up from the gates of death, that I may declare your praise in the gates of daughter of Zion, and there rejoice in your salvation. She suddenly stopped, looked at me wide-eyed. She was like nine. And she goes, God wrote those verses for me 2,000 years ago? And I was about to jump in and correct her. No, it wasn't 2,000 years. It was a little bit more than 2,000 years. <laughs> and, um, and it was written for you. you know. But I was like, wait, 
Then the Holy Spirit just stopped me and said, yes. He wrote this verse for her for such a time as this. And as a child, she realized it. And I needed to see that. That's knowing God's voice. That leads to the last part, that he is God. I'm leaping from exegesis uh, rules here. It doesn't really, really say that. But that he is God, I am calling it obedience. Because when you get to that secret place and spend time with God and God speaks to you about something, usually that requires you to share that when you go out to the public place. Because in the second portion of verse 10, if you don't know, it says, be still and know that I am God so that I will be exalted among the nations. So that he will be lifted up high. So communing with God is not just about us. It's about a much bigger plan that he has. And we get to participate in it. I was the first in my family to become a Christian and spent many years praying for my parents. My mom was supposed to be here today, but um, she had sciatic pain last night. She told Ken to film this so she can hear me. But... um, I spent many years praying for her, and one, t- one time she came over to L.A. to visit us from Boston, like she does every once in a while, and she knows that we're always busy with church activities, even though she's not a Christian. And she said to me, you know, whatever you, you got planned, go ahead and go do it. You know, I can take care of the kids. So I say, oh, in fact, that Saturday morning, the church is having a workshop on prayer. I'd like to go. So she goes, go, go, go. So Ken and I went. And the whole time I was in that workshop, I sat, I just couldn't be still. I just felt like something was bugging me. I just felt like the Holy Spirit prompting me, don't sit here and listen to a workshop on prayer. Go pray. Go pray for your mother. So I didn't want to leave in the middle of the workshop because it looked like I didn't like the workshop, right? So I waited, and during break time, then I like, you know, everyone went to the bathroom, and I went to the back of the church where there's a little patch of grass and garden area and, and prayed there. And it was, I, I don't think since then or before that I've ever prayed like that. I just began to pray, and the Spirit led me to pray, and I was sobbing for my mother because I felt like she's such a good person. How can she be missing out on this relationship with God? And, and on and on, and, and God showed me that on the bottom of this tree there was a brick wall, but the root had come through and cracked it open. There was ants crawling around. He showed it to me. He goes, even though the wall is brick, gentle root over time can break it up. And even ants can help. So I saw that and I started praying and I prayed. And I don't know how long I prayed for, but finally I came to a, a, a place where I felt like whew, a, a sense of peace washed over me. I just felt like it's done. And I go, I don't know what to do now. So then later I went back to Ken and I go, this is what happened. He goes, that's really cool. And then I go, what am I supposed to do now? He goes, talk to her. And I go, what, tell her she's already a Christian? <laughs> and, and he goes, no, but like, talk to her. So I, go, so I went back and I told my mom that I would like to talk to her about something that's been on my heart. Could we sit down sometime and talk the next day? And then she goes, sure. So we sat down the next day and say, mom, I've been... I have shared the four spiritual law with you before, and she just kind of looked at me blank. That was a few years before that. And I just wonder if you're interested in learning more about Jesus. 
And then she just looked at me and go, yes. I go, huh? And then she goes, do you want to be a Christian? And she goes, yeah. I go, wait, you're not supposed to say it so fast. You're supposed to ask me a question, and I'm supposed to explain to you the four laws and all that stuff, and then we're supposed to do the sinner's prayer. And then she goes, yes, fine, go ahead. So I, we did the whole thing, and she goes, yes, 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 and we did it. And at the end, she prayed the prayer with me after 22 years of praying for her. And, to, you know, she's been a Christian for quite a few years now, eight years or more, and she's praying for us, interceding for the family, and she quotes scriptures and throws Bible verses at me, you know, and I'm like, okay, all right. God is good. And it's amazing how when you get into that secret place, he can do incredible things. And then we have to go out and walk it out. It doesn't have to be huge things like my mom's salvation. It could be very something very simple. I was waiting for Wilson at 85 degrees to meet with him to talk about something, and he was a little late. So I was just sitting there trying to, you know, work on stuff and kill time. And then this little girl came up to me with a box of chocolate and say, I'm selling these fundraiser chocolate. And I hate that stuff. <laughs> so my, my rule is never to get that stuff. I'll give to the school directly. I will never give into that fundraising stuff. So I said no. And then I just felt this Holy Spirit just kind of, don't do that. So I say, wait. <laughs> and I go, I'll get one. Just pick one for me, I'll get it. And so I got one for her, and then, I, and then she walked away, and then I just felt this Holy Spirit say, pray for her. So I just pray for this little girl, because I'm thinking, she's what, 12, and she's walking around the plaza. I don't see her parents. She's walking around selling chocolate. Is this safe? You know, and um, so I, I, I prayed for her, and then I watched her walk away through the parking lot, and I just had a deep compassion and love for her. Where did that come from? Is that God's voice, my voice, or Satan's voice? It has to be God's voice. I am not naturally a compassionate person like that, and I don't suddenly, for a stranger, have tears and want to pray for her and care for her. It's God. And so when God nudged me, I do it. And if I obey, he is happy, and he'll talk to me more, and he'll give me more. And then the more I hear his voice and response to his voice, then I recognize it more and more and more. So be still and know that I am God. So those are the beginner's three steps to hearing God's voice. But I'm not quite done. My last point I want to make is that all discipline can become legalistic whether it's reading the Bible, prayer, or whatever, you can become a Pharisee if you focus on working hard to do it, to get it, to accomplish it on your own strength. So how do we really become still? The cross. We have to always focus on the cross. Because on the cross, all of our brokenness, all of our weaknesses, all of our sins, all of our whatever is paid for. Jesus died a horrible, horrible death so that we can be set free. So don't go back and try to make ourselves slaves. So when we want to be still, we do so by faith in Jesus Christ. When we want to hear his voice, we do so by faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ alone, the power of his blood, not by pulling our bootstraps and 
toughing it and roughing it and then being able to do it and then be able to brag about it. If there's anything to brag about, we brag about God. Accept God's invitation to be still and know that he is God. Let's pray. Since we are already in a much uh, distract, less distracting place, I'd like to guide you in a time of stillness and listening prayer. Feel free to participate in as much as you feel comfortable. Um, and worship team, and as you come up, you may want to sit in the front and just take in this prayer time too, so you might enjoy it as well. We'll begin by sitting, um, we'll begin by entering into one minute of complete silence. Prepare yourself by sitting comfortably in your chair. Maybe with your feet flat on the ground. Take some slow, deep breaths. Still your racing thoughts. Quiet your soul. And say to God, I am here. I'm all here. Holy Spirit, quiet my mind, my heart, and my soul. Stay in this complete silence. And if you find your mind drift away, it's okay. Gently bring it back. Bring your focus back to God. Now imagine God's gaze of love looking at you. God turns his ear to hear you. Take a moment to tell him all that is in your heart.
Now pause and let God respond to you. He may show you a picture, a sound, a word. Could be a feeling, a touch. Press in and stay with it for a little while. And ask God what he's trying to say to you. Lastly, respond to what God said to you. What do you want to say back to him? We close this time of prayer together saying, in Jesus' name, amen.